Last week we started this series, and uh, it came right out of Easter. And uh, they, uh, the idea behind it is this. You know, at Easter, our conversation is a lot of, oh, you know, Jesus pictured me while he was up on the cross dying for my sin, and Jesus did this for me and for me, and all that stuff is right and accurate, and it's okay. But the truth is about the cross is that's the starting point. That's the launching point. You know, that's where it's like the slingshot really gets released and we're like launched into what God really um, equipped us to do here on this earth. And the thing about that is after the cross, we walk in a lot of Jesus and we, not just whatever I can get from God and whatever's for me. And there's a lot of Christian books out there about self-help this and how to make myself a better Christian. But and all that stuff is okay and valid. It's important. Uh, the scripture says we are to strengthen ourselves daily in the Lord. And so that's important. But if it doesn't go any further than that, then we've missed it by a mile. Our call is to be Jesus and we and exist for others. And, and um, we started to talk about it last week, how literally uh, we know that the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, 14 talks about how after Jesus came, uh, rose from the dead and appeared back uh, to the disciples and to others, it says, later Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And um, so here's what I laid out last week is the idea is this. He shows up to them while they're having a meal and it said that they, he rebuked them and he was, you know, they were being stubborn. And so here's the thing. Anytime you're, you're upset about something or, or you're going to bring a correction or rebuke, how many know you've kind of thought it through? You really know what you're going to say. And so you can just imagine Jesus walking in here and they're having a meal and he's like, hey, and what he's about to lay down is a really probably thought out, and of course we know Jesus said, everything I say and do, I hear from my father. And so we know it was really thought out. But he shows up and he says, hey, and he rebukes them and, and he goes through that whole thing. But then he says this in chapter 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And so he comes back, he sort of corrects them, but you know, he thought it through and his command to them is like, here's what you're supposed to do. Go to all. Go be a part of the we, go reach people, connect with people. It takes we. And I think probably for that time, they were, you know, waiting for their Messiah and all, and he's going to set us free and all of these personal things uh, for their own benefit that they were going to be able to walk in. And then he comes and starts releasing this, what he had said all along, but he continues in this, go and make disciples, go and do good, raise the dead, heal the sick, all these things. At one point he even said, look, you can go and do more than even I've done. You know, he said, you can have, you can do more miracles than even I have. And it's, and it's not for us. It's for we, it's for the better of everybody. Amen. That's why Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching or the return of Jesus or approaching it's saying, Hey, in these last days when all this crazy is happening, all this persecution and all this ridiculousness is taking place, what's going to be really important? It's going to be really important that we come together and we don't neglect that and that we keep it about Jesus and we and meeting together in community and fellowship and spurring one another on towards good deeds. Why? Because it's getting heavy out there. Who would agree? Somebody say amen. And so don't give up on this stuff. Don't give up on meeting together and you've got to believe the best in each other and be in unity with one another. Amen. And every time something is really important or of high value, the enemy works really hard at creating the opposite of that. And so my example of that is this. We live in an I culture, meaning everything is custom to ourselves. We talked about um, 
in our cars, you get in, you can have your own seat setting and your own stereo setting and uh, your Xbox recognizes you and everything's all about you. Because uh, I know a lot of you are on Xbox and online gaming and stuff. Um, no? Yeah, okay, no. <laughs> you're supposed to laugh there because you're not. Maybe you are. Maybe you really are gamers. And you're, just like, you're offended at me now. But, uh, but everything is so custom I. And I talked about last week, literally, you hear the radio commercial. Like, do you have your own custom mattress? You sleep on your own side and you get your own setting and your own sort of setting. Whatever. Oh, my gosh, I don't have my own setting. How am I living? Like, I'm not, you know, you get all panicked because you don't have your own my, my. And so the enemy has created this culture that's very self-driven and very user, like I got to set my own user and I'm my own, but we're not called to be users. We're called to be contributors. It's better that we give than we receive. It's better to give than to receive. And so the enemy's done a good job. I think, especially in these days, he's made it about like what we can get. Um, I thought about this. There's a really good lie uh, that we tell ourselves as Christians is, um, well, you know, I'm really working on going to the next spiritual level. And, you know, I got to grow myself spiritually before I can get involved. And I need to do this more spiritually and get to this next thing. Uh, If you were to go up to Jesus in his time and say, hey, Jesus, how's your spiritual life? He'd be like, what are you talking about? I don't, what are you? Because in Jesus' mind, into that culture, everything is spiritual. Every decision we make has a spiritual impact. So there's no like, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to spend a little spiritual time and I'm going to do a little, everything you do is spiritual. Every act that you walk in is spiritual. And so how we interact with one another, it's not like, oh, my spiritual time is Jesus and me. Our spiritual time is in everything we do, Jesus and we, amen? That's why when they came to Jesus and said, hey, what's the greatest of the commandments? In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then he follows it up. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, Jesus and we. You love God with all your heart, with all your soul. Jesus, that's important. Live vertical, Jesus. But then we, love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself, vertical and Jesus and we, Jesus and we. And so for us, as we talk about children dedication and reaching the next generation, it's easy for us to think about loving our neighbor when it's the guy at work or somebody, uh, you know, the boss that you maybe got to keep happy or there's gain in it. Uh, But what does it look like when we talk about reaching the next generation? And having this mindset of the wonders of God and the works of God, passing them on to the next generation. How do we make it about Jesus and we when it's the teenager in our neighborhood that does burnouts on the road, or when it's the, you know, kid flicking cigarette butts at your car, when it's all of those things, is it easy for us when we see them with the crazy hair and the the weird piercings and all the, are we quick to categorize all those or in our mindset? Are we working towards, hey, I need to have a multi-generational effect? How, how often do we sit around a table and go, this generation is crazy. They've lost it. They've gone. But it is our job as Christians to take what we have and pass it on to the next generation. And then even more so, it's important for that generation to reach up and receive from the generation above. It takes both. Here's my example that you always hear me say is, so many times a generation will, will do a great work. They'll pioneer a great work of God. And let's say they take something to, to hear. They get a revelation from God. They have insight. And they, they take something to hear in terms of re- revelation. And the next generation comes along. And they have a little bit different way of doing it. 
And so instead of this generation saying, hey, we got to reach towards each other and I'll pull you up here and you can stand on what I've built and we'll continue to grow this thing. What unfortunately happens is this side gets mad at this side and this side gets mad at this side. And so they split ways and all we ever do is keep reaching the same level. But we're called to reach down towards one another. Hey, hey, and so it's important for the young generation to reach up and receive as it is the older generation to reach down. That's why we pray about this church. It be a multi-generational church. Somebody say amen. But the hard part with kids uh, or teenagers is in our minds, we've graduated from that. Like, oh, I'm so glad I'm out of high school. I'm so glad I'm out of, and we've said there's nothing left to offer. That generation doesn't have anything left to offer. Of course, we care about our kids and we care about our nieces and nephews and our friends' kids that we whatever. Uh, But as a whole, how much time do we spend thinking and praying for a generation of, of high schoolers? Amen. And, and <laughs> that went over good. Amen. So amen. Like we should be passing that high school and stretching out a hand and say, God, I just pray for those guys. God, give me, give me a relationship with somebody. Amen. But the, the problem is a lot of times in our mind, we see it as I've graduated from that or I, they don't have anything to offer me. Uh, and so we move on. And then just as we read Psalm 145, uh, three verses five, uh, what we read in our, in our giving, it says that one generation commends your works to another. Uh, it should just be passing on from generation to generation. The scripture says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. That's a picture of generations working together. That's our assignment, is to be reaching towards one another. Um, and I thought about it like this. It's very important for us as a church. The scripture says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so if we want to be a people that reach the next generation and see what God has done in our lives, the wonders be passed on to the next, then it's important for us to speak life to the next generation. Uh, We all know the frustrations and those kids drive too fast. Well, you were one of those kids, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, like, let's just remember where we came from. But, uh, but, but here's the deal. If we, if we prayed for the next generation and some of these, and, and you read the statistics about this. Well, look at that. Another family had an, did another. If we prayed about them as much as we talked about them, they'd probably just turn into Jesus. Somebody say amen. And so we got we to gotta start guarding how we're talking about things and start speaking life into people. Amen. Matthew chapter 19, verses 14 says, Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. So do not talk down about them. Don't do anything that would rob them of privileges. Don't tell them to stay on their side of the track. Somebody say amen. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such of these. This young generation that's coming up, the kingdom of God belongs to them. Could it be that he's saying like, hey, the kingdom of God that exists here on earth belongs to them. Because why? Because they're going to be taking it to another level. They're going to begin growing. The scripture says we go from glory to glory to glory. We should be expanding and growing. So don't hinder them. Don't do anything that would offend them. How many, and you can be honest and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. But how many have ever been frustrated or hurt in a church before? Right? Like I've, a lot of us, right? Okay. And my hand is raised. We can't do things that hinder or stifle because a lot of times when we got hurt, if you would be honest, oh, I got hurt in this situation, we lost time. We lost time in there. And either your walk with God or your progress in the kingdom or a ministry that you were a part of, 
You lost time. You lost fruit. And so the warning here is like even more so, I would say, and I'm just adding on at this point. This is my own opinion. (laughs) But even more say when it comes to kids and teenagers, don't hinder them. Don't hinder them. Like, let them grow. Let it be a mess. Let it be a thing. Uh, because we, we have to advance this. Matthew chapter 18 takes it one step further. Matthew 18, 1. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The greatest. He called a little child and placed the little child among them. And he said, verse three, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you become like a little child, like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes this lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. He's literally relating children to welcoming Jesus Christ. If you pay attention and welcome me and don't hinder uh, children, if you give energy and emphasis and you pay attention to the next generation, it's as if you're paying attention to me. That's huge. He said the greatest in the kingdom is kids. It's, it's, we've got it so backwards uh, as a church culture at times. It's like, oh, get all the kids here and stuff them up in that room and put some glow sticks in there or some... We do glow sticks. Glue sticks is what I was going to say. <laughs> we do glow sticks because they're better than glue sticks. A little less toxic when eaten. Maybe not. I don't know. But you're like, oh, get those kids out of here. Da, da, da. But no, it's like they're the greatest of the kingdom of God. And so why is child dedication important? Well, we wanted to have a cute little ceremony. No, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't want to have a reason. We didn't just come up with a reason to like, so your family could get together for lunch. It's because this is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen? Uh, Lauren, if you'll come play. My thoughts in closing, I got a couple things I want to share. The greatest of these is the children, is the next generation. And so as a church and as your everyday life, your thoughts should be, what can I give back to the next generation? What can I invest? What can I sow into? And I got an acronym for love. We've all heard this saying, It says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We've all heard that. But really about the next generation, too many times, well, you know, Sonny, what you ought to do is this. Yeah, but I don't know yet that you actually care about me, so I'm going to ignore the advice. We have to put ourselves in atmospheres where it's, hey, I'm showing you how much I care by having you alongside me and growing with me and me investing in you. That way, when I go to give you an opinion or advice, you're like, I'm going to heed that because he cares about me, because she cares about me. An acronym for love I want to share with you is, is, is a few things when we talk about the next generation. Of course, I have 10 years uh, of youth pastoring in my background. But here's what I found to be the most successful in connecting with the next generation. Number one, the acronym for love, L, is listen. Listening goes so much further than what you would ever know. Just being a person who sits there and listens and listens and lets them talk and give opinion and give opinion and just, because unfortunately in this busy culture, much of our kids and our teenagers don't have somebody to talk to. 
they're buried in a video game or they're busy on the internet or whatever, but they don't know what it is to just sit down and have a listening conversation. So don't lecture, don't just listen. And then the O is offer advice. Offer the advice. Don't force it while you're listening. Oh, I'm stopping right there. What you need to do is you say stuff like, hey, can I tell you what happened to me one time in my life and how I, and you just offer some advice. So oh, here's some, you offer it because they want to know that you care. V is value them, value them. So many times we get all up on like our religious high horse about how they dress and how they look and how they're not this. And, and then you get all bent out of shape. If you're so spiritual, so much more spiritual than them, don't you think you should be spiritual enough to look past their piercings and their, amen? Let's just value them for the being that they are. The creation of God that, that, that this next generation is, let's value them look past all the other and no God, no God can change it. We got all these opinions. We got, all, well, let me get some pictures of you in high school, right? <laughs> Let's play fair, you know? So value them. Be spiritual enough to see past where they are and see where they can be. And then E. E is probably the most important is encourage them. So you listen and you value and you offer advice, but send them away encouraged. Nobody's ever, no teenager, no young kid's ever going to be like, I'm not going back to vertical church. They just made me feel too good about myself. Way too much encouragement over there because they don't get encouragement in school, you know, and I'm not like, you know, in school from their schools do a great job. I'm not, you know, and teachers, I'm not like bashing the school system. <laughs> We're joining and partnering with them. But I'm saying their Facebooks, the culture, we, the, our culture loves to build people up and tear them down. We do it to celebrities and artists and all this kind of stuff. We don't know what it is to encourage one another. And so if we can be a church culture that encourages the next generation, I'm with you. I believe in you. You can do it. The number one, the number one longing of the human heart is to feel a part of family or to feel connected to something, psychiatrists say. And one of the most healing words or responses to words that psychiatrists say that you can hear, somebody could hear is when somebody genuinely says, me too. I get it. I'm with you. I agree. I, I, I understand where you're at. And then we encourage. So we should be a church that when people come through the doors, we say, me too. I'm a sinner too. I'm a sinner too. I'm messed up. Me too. Not you guys. I'm just saying me, but hey, me too. I messed up. But guess what? God's helped me and he's delivered me and I'm not there anymore. Right? So encourage people. We have to be conscious, intentionally about the next generation or we'll lose them to something else. Because listen, Viacom, the uh, TV industry, which owns like everything, MTV, CBS, all the stuff. If you looked up all the channels that Viacom is, Nickelodeon, all that kind of stuff, they don't market to anybody over 25 because they know if we get them young, we get to keep them. They're intentional about reaching a generation and understanding how they work. I'm not saying you guys all got to go out and get Twitter and all that stuff and Xboxes. Apparently you already all have them. But, uh, but we have to be intentional about reaching the next generation because here's the thing, a dedication, a little ceremony, a little all this. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, 
If I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and cannot fathom all the mysteries and knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. It's all for nothing. We can do all the ceremonies and things, that dedications. We can do all the classroom designs and curriculums and all that. But if we don't care, if we're not intentional, if we don't really love, it's all for nothing. Somebody say amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Obviously, by you being here, you're in support of the next generation. You're, you're here to support, and, and you know what today is. But my encouragement to you leaving today is ask God, hey, who, who can I connect with? Who needs to be encouraged? Who needs to be listened to? Who needs offer, you know, or advice maybe offered to them in a loving way? Maybe the grocery boy that carries out your groceries if you go to that kind of store. <laughs> I guess they don't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so family fair. Go to family fair. Um, but, the, but the grocery person or the gas attendant or whatever, listen, it doesn't take long for you to hear somebody complain, actually. Let's be honest, right? Like, oh my gosh, my day. Oh, I'm so glad you're having a bad day. Let me love on you and encourage you. Amen? Amen. So let's leave here. And while we're praying, our prayer team is going to come forward and and they'll be up here for additional prayer uh, if you would like that at the end of service. But before you leave, let's pray and ask God, we'll do this together, that God puts people in your path, maybe of the next generation or younger, that you can love on and connect with and make an authentic connection. Let's do it. Let's pray. Just believe this in your heart when we pray this out. God, we love you so much. We thank you for today. Lord, we're so honored uh, to be a part of a holy moment where we're dedicating new lives unto you and your way. But God, we don't want it to stop here. We don't want to walk out those doors and go back to our little bubbles. God, we want to live as a people who are conscious of living generation to generation, to seeing the works and the wonders of God live beyond ourselves. God, we want to be a legacy people, not to make our names great or our family histories great, but to make your name great among our nations, among our world. God, put us in position this week with the ears to hear and the eyes to see what you would have us walk in. In Jesus' name, amen.